Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey there, and welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy podcast. I am here with Archie Messersmith Bunting. Is that right? That's right. Good job. <laughs> Perfect. Um, how are you doing there? You're, I think you're in Virginia. Is that right? Virginia. Yeah, Virginia. And it's apparently it's going to snow, which I know is maybe normal for you, but not so much in Virginia. We got a little bit of snow this weekend, but it's it usually goes pretty quick. The, the sun comes out. I think there's over 300 days of sunshine a year in Colorado. And oh, a lot wow. of people don't know that. So usually it melts pretty quick. Uh, but we did have some this weekend. We, we had went up to... Uh, the mountains for the weekend. So we definitely oh, saw cool. more of the snow than rather than avoiding it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Um, and so do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about what you're doing these days? Maybe some of the highlights before we get into uh, maybe some of the lower points. <laughs> the disaster. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm a professional speaker and a mental health coach. Uh, I own my own business called Archie Cares. And so I, I spend most nights sitting right here at this desk um, talking to this green light trying to help people understand all the feelings that they're feeling and to give them some best practices and some some strategies to deal with everything that's coming at us right now. Um, so I my, my ideal audience is like college or young adult um, because those people that are usually like open to listening and like, you know, ready to ready to take some stuff on. Sometimes when you're dealing with somebody my age, um, I'm not going to say old am, but I'm in my forties. Uh, it takes a little more like, you know, head against the wall to get them to understand that, you know, your mental health matters. Yeah. And it's nice to be with younger people. Cause then you feel younger yourself a little bit. <laughs> yeah, allegedly. Yeah. And I know you didn't start out in certainly in the pro mental health, I guess, uh, arena, you probably were more of the recipient of some of that. Do you want to give us a little bit of uh, just an overview as to kind of like your, your overall path that led you to where you're at? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're exactly right. I spent a lot of years in therapy and psych wards and rehabs and a lot of people trying to help me. Uh, and I say trying because for a long time, other people wanted it more than I did. Um, you know, I, um, I, I, I grew up um, not any of that stuff. Like I never, I never went to a, I never went to a party in high school with alcohol ever. I may be one of like 10 people in America. Like, so I have no idea what that experience is like. But after college, um, I had so much hurt inside that uh, when I tried drugs for the first time, it just made everything feel better. And my my drug path kind of took off very quickly from, you know, kind of club drugs, you know, that I guess maybe are socially acceptable to putting a needle in my arm like they went really, really, really fast. Um, and so, yeah, lots of therapy, lots of counselors. Um, and like for a second, I thought maybe I want to be a therapist. And I was like, no, I don't want to be a therapist. That's not what I want to do. Uh, so I've sort of kind of, I've, I've kind of melded into, is that a word? I've kind of fallen into the, the role of being a helper. Um, there's a pretty famous episode of Mr. Rogers right after, do you know Mr. Rogers? Are you that old? I yeah. No yeah. Look for the helpers. I imagine. There we go. go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can quote him directly. Sorry. Oh, no, no. So it happened after 9-11. Mr. Rogers had retired. He wasn't, he wasn't doing his thing anymore. And so after 9-11, they brought him back to speak to the nation because the nation was hurting. And I happened to live in New York City during 9-11. So, I mean, it was, it was, it was very fresh for me. And he said to people, look for the helpers. 
Um, though, and, and that's when you know everything's going to be okay. Was when look for the helpers. Yeah. And so in, in the beginning of the pandemic, I just settled into that role, and I'm like, I'm just going to be a helper. I don't need a degree. I don't need any letters by my name. I, I do have a master's degree, but I don't have a PhD. I'm just going to I'm going to be a helper. Yeah, I, I love Mr. Rogers. I just saw. I think it's called Won't You Be My Neighbor, whatever the documentary one is, not the oh, yeah, 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 Tom yeah, Hanks. Yeah. I was going to watch yeah. the Tom Hanks one, but then I thought, well, I might as well just see the real thing. The real so thing. Yeah. I was crying quite a lot because it's easy. He's great at uh, you know it's, striking yeah. that emotional chord. Um, so do you think the fact that you didn't really experiment much in high school maybe led to you not knowing any of the limits and stuff <laughs> and just kind of going, going wild? I know I had that for me. I didn't really drink much in high school. And then when I got to college and I joined a fraternity, it flipped the other way. And I did, certainly didn't know how to pace myself and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So what's ironic is that I would say 85% of my business is fraternity and sorority. Cause I, I joined a fraternity. I worked for my fraternity. Then I worked for the organization that supports all the fraternities. So like my, my world has been fraternity for a while. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have that experience cause I went to a private Christian school. So once again, I'm just in places where you don't really drink a lot. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think there's something to be said for, you know, overseas, you know, or, or even when I talk to parents and their, their son or daughter is going to go after college and they mm-hmm. have a glass of wine at dinner. I don't fault anybody for that so that people understand what this does to you. Like, I think that's part of our job as parents. Um, but yeah, I definitely didn't have any sort of, um, stop valve. Once the drug started going in, I was like, Ooh, this just feels better. Let's just keep doing this. Yeah. It's hard when there's something that feels really good to show self-control. I know I've struggled with that before. So I believe you said you went uh, to rehab for your first time sometime shortly after that. Do you want to walk us through kind of the path that led you to realize you needed more help? The first time? Yeah. Yes, for sure. Or either one, whatever, whatever you'd like to talk about, but we can talk about both for sure. The first failure. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I was just, I was dying. I mean, you know, when you, when you get to the point where you're using IV drugs, you're, I mean, you're kind of circling the drain. Let's just be really honest. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's just no, there's no good ending to that. And um, I, I tried to kill myself and that uh, ended up in another psych ward. And uh, then after that, some, the friends who I still had in my life, the ones who I hadn't pushed away mm-hmm. um, were like, we need to, you need to do something here. Go, you need to go away. Um, and so <laughs> I, I wasn't really thinking very clearly. I was very high, but I wasn't thinking very clearly because when I checked into rehab, it was like two days before my birthday. And so when I got there, I slept for two days and then I woke up and I was like, Oh, it's my birthday. I've got to call my parents because they're going to wonder what's going on. So that's how my parents found out that I was a drug addict, that I called them from rehab. And I was, they were like, where are you? And I was like, Oh, I'm in rehab. How are you? <laughs> that, that, I'm sure that wasn't a call they wanted to hear. Uh, it was not what was going Yeah. Not a really good birthday call. Um, yeah. At that age, was there anything specifically staff or whatever, or an approach that actually worked in terms of like changing any of that behavior or did you mostly just struggle and battle? Yeah, I just struggled. Yeah. Uh, because I, I wasn't really fixing the root cause, the root cause of, uh, and I think the science is pretty clear on this. So even though I'm not a doctor or a therapist, like you can read this mm-hmm. when you're, when you're using drugs or alcohol to cover up hurt inside, you got to fix the hurt. Like the alcohol and drugs are just the symptom of the problem. And the problem for me was um, internalized homophobia, uh, shame uh, for for being gay and not having a wife and 2.5 kids um, uh, for, you know, I, I lost my career in New York performing because I got high. So there was that. So I mean, just so much hurt. And so when you're, you're, you're using, you're just covering all that up. So nothing is going to change until you fix the problem. 
did because I also went to a private, I went to an all guys Catholic high school uh, growing up. And I remember one guy wanted to take another one to the prom and they banned them from the prom or something. I forget what it was. It was a huge deal. It also was a little bit before uh, that it was, you know, more uh, publicly permissible. So I certainly was, uh, if I was in your position, I would have felt certainly ostracized and definitely not comfortable. Was there a lot of time where you weren't even accepting who you were as a person or were you kind of living two lives or how, how did that work out? Yep. Both, both. I mean, you know, growing up, uh, it's, it's actually, so, I mean, I've kind of found my way back to the church, um, and to what I believe to be higher power and whatnot, but it's really traumatic to hear that you're going to hell every Sunday. That's very traumatic. Um, even, even when no one else knows that you're gay, you know, mm-hmm. even though, even though years later, they're like, we always knew. And I'm like, well, then <laughs> why did somebody say anything? Um, I mean, just for masturbating, you go to hell. So it's hard to not feel like if you're Catholic or Christian, it's hard to not feel like you're going to hell. I mean, I mean exactly. God, that's amazing. Yes. I mean, that's like step one. So I'm on like step 55 if I'm gay, like mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. I'm masturbating, thinking about a dude. So that's yeah. like, that's even, that's even worse, yeah, right? Stacking them. I mean, it's bad. Um, so, uh, yeah, so there was a lot of, there's a lot of that. Um, but then like, you know, I was, I was going to get married to a girl and like do the thing. And, um, you can only wear a mask for so long until it all just comes crashing down. You went to rehab the first time you pretended or tried to fake it through or or got your way through it at least. And then I believe you, you went back to, what were you doing at the time job wise? Yeah. So that time I didn't lose a lot. So I was a performer. Well, I gotten fired. Oh yeah. So, so I mean, like I was, had like waiter jobs or cater waitering jobs. I didn't have an apartment. I was like crashing on people's couches. So even though the crash was maybe hard, it wasn't like traumatic because I didn't lose anything. I mean, I didn't lose a lot. Right. Um, So I did manage to put some sobriety together. I managed to, you know, stay clean for periods of time and, you know, got some stuff together Mm -hmm. and then kind of, Fast forward into life, I had settled into a career. I was working for a fraternal organization. I had a big title, you know, traveling the country, doing all this stuff. And I started to drink again because I decided that that wasn't a problem for me. Mm-hmm. And um, which wasn't super smart, but you know, whatever. I thought I would yeah, try. It's easy to convince yourself sometimes of yeah. things like that. And then it didn't really take long for everything to turn a hard left turn again. Mm-hmm. And so the second time I went to rehab was much more of a challenge because. I mean, I had people that reported to me and I had to call the CEO and say, I need to, you know, I need to get help. And my, my partner, who's now my husband, like I had to, you know, it was, it was a lot more, there was a lot more at risk to stop and ask for help. And I actually think that's part of the problem sort of for adults Mm -hmm. asking for help. We have so much to lose, Yeah, but you don't really realize how much you really have to lose if you don't actually stop. Cause I would have lost everything. It, It all blown up. The second time around, though, it seems like you obviously have been helped more potentially. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, number one, I started focusing on my mental illness. So I, you know, I have I have clinical depression, major depressive disorder, which I never really talked about before. I never really talked about the fact that, like, sometimes I hear voices in my head because I thought that would people think I'm crazy. And so I'm just, I'm just kind of like own the crazy. I'm like, yeah, I'm crazy. It's all good. Like, no big deal, whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I, for me, I think until I really started talking about that and dealing with that, nothing was going to get better. You know, I was, you know, there's, there were two, there were these two demons I was fighting addiction and, and mental illness. And so one, I can't, well, neither one of them I can fix forever, but yeah. I can, I can work on each of them on a daily basis. And then 
what about that process, or at least the second time when you came out of it, you were uh, ready or willing to maybe focus yourself on helping others? Yeah. Um, so it re- really, it kind of, I kind of, I kind of like, what am I going to do for a while? Floundered. Mm-hmm. And so honestly, until the beginning of the pandemic. And I realized that even with sobriety, even with, you know, working through my depression, I had all these feelings that I wasn't doing anything with, and I wasn't focused on other people's feelings. And so I sort of had this epiphany in like March of this year that for me, feelings is where it's at. And that's sort of how, that's how I became the feelings guy. It was kind of a joke and then it became a thing that I, I believe that until we focus on our feelings, and then I have an actual interest in your feelings that community can't actually be built because as dudes, like if we see each other, I'm like, Hey, what's up, man? They're like, how much? How you doing, man? How much? Like what just happened? Like nothing happened at all. Like that's a complete waste of space. So if I actually ask you, Hey Ben, how are you feeling today? And then you can actually tell me, then we actually talk, you, be- you begin to build a community and a relationship. And it's, it allows men to be a little more vulnerable than we usually choose to be. Um, but I, I kind of feel like that we need that in the world right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I know what, Growing up in an Irish Catholic family where we didn't talk about our feelings at all definitely helped helped me to learn how to stuff it down more. Did you have a similar vibe at home where you couldn't open up and stuff? Yeah. I mean, you know, my parents listened to these things. So, I mean, they, they did a, they did a great job in the best, best, the best that they could. But I mean, I, dude, I grew up in the South in like, you know, I was, I was born in 1976. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like a long time ago and, you know, in the, in the deep South, men did not talk about their feelings. Yeah. It just wasn't, it just wasn't a thing that we did. So it wasn't, a, it, I never practiced, you know, I never, mm-hmm. and we don't practice in life, Yeah, you know? So number one, I didn't see it really growing up because that's just not what you did. Same thing with you. Mm-hmm. But then in life, we don't do it either. We just lie over and over yeah. again every day. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Like what? So for, so for me, the, the win was feelings. That was the win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nice when you realize that it's not something that you should be share, uh, like scared of sharing because if anything, the the doing it is what gets you more comfortable with it. I know when I first started out, I I did not like sharing my feelings and, and stuff and it, it was hard, but doing that over and over and, you know, getting used to it allows you to become better at it and more okay with it rather than defensive and shields up kind of thing. Yeah. It, it, it takes, um, it takes practice and it also takes, well, not for me anymore. Like it, it's pretty normal for me now. But when I work with with people, I have, it takes it, it takes it, it it takes intentionality because it's it's not normal. You know, it's not normal. But I don't want to go back to that disaster ever again. Like I don't want to go back to the Archie that hurts so bad inside ever again. Yeah. And the way that I I believe today, and you know, my therapist agrees, mm-hmm. is um, is by really focusing on these feelings and and being like I have a lot of them, and that's okay. Yeah. And here we go. Do you use a specific uh, like therapy style or anything? I know you're, you're saying you're pro feelings and everything. Is there something, is there a specific genre of psychology that like uh, empowers that or really focuses on that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it starts with, um, with cognitive reframing, which is kind of a, it's a basic in the therapeutic community. 
Um, mm-hmm. And really all of us should be using it during these times. Um, and I mean, cognitive reframing is, is, is pretty simple. Like I can't change my reality. Like I can't, I can't change, you know, vaccines coming any faster. I can't mm-hmm. change, you know, the fact that, you know, I can't change like physical things, but I can change my perception to what's happening. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, it's really about, it's really about your mind and about focusing on, you know, your, your mental well-being. Uh, thinking about gratitude, manifestation, all these things that I kind of thought were crunchy and only people in Colorado did, then I I realize now are like things that are really helpful for us all. I certainly struggled and I've only seen a therapist uh, once or twice. I should be getting a new one at some point, but uh, it's hard. It's difficult to even convince yourself that someone else is listening and cares about what you're saying, because that can be a big struggle. It's just... uh, convincing yourself that they're not just getting paid to do this and they don't care about the time, but they actually want to hear what's going on. So when I came back and would hear them talk about things that I talked about before or whatever, and seemed more genuine of an interest, certainly that was more helpful, but it's, it still can be a struggle. So is there anything specifically that you do to like get people to open up a little bit and share more of those feelings? Yeah, that's a great question. And let's kind of hone in just for a second on like stereotypical straight men. Because mm-hmm. that's that's usually the demographic that that we I mean I'm not straight but you know that we yeah. have the 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 most challenge and so this is what I say to them if you care about other people this should be really simple because suicide the the rates of suicide in America were already going through the roof back in the beginning of the year they haven't released numbers yet I'm sure there's a reason why when we get the numbers, I'm sure it's going to be off the charts, either suicide completion or suicide attempts. So just think about it, Ben, like if, 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 if you're, if you're having a conversation and people are around and let's say there's a young person or somebody, you know, struggling this near you and they hear you this like, you know, Irish, you know, straight dude talking about your feelings, then that gives them just, you know, in proxy, like, Whoa, holy shit. Yeah, you can, talk about, you can talk about feelings. So mm-hmm. literally, we can help save other people's lives by just talking about how we feel. I firmly believe that because yeah. with people that are people that are hurting, I know this to be true. Your ears are open because you're just in so much pain, yeah. and you're not, you know. So I, I think that we can do like the biggest act of service we can do right now is really talk about how we feel to everybody so that it becomes yeah. normal. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I feel like when I was growing up, I mentioned crying during the Rod- Mr. Rogers movie and growing up, my stepdad, who was like a really tough guy who did paving and and like land- landscaping and stuff like that, he would readily cry during movies. So that to me, that was like an okay thing. And so I think I cry awesome. more more in a movie than real life sometimes just because of that <laughs> example being provided. So I definitely agree, you know, with what yeah. you're saying there. Uh, That's awesome. So I like to ask people about, you know, kind of, younger self-advice they'd like to give themselves. I'm curious if you had yourself come to you for therapy, what would be your way of kind of getting through to, to the younger you? Yeah. That, that it, you know, it, that it really is okay just to be who you are. Um, and, and I, I mean, it's, it, the rates of suicide attempts are disproportionate in the LGBT community. We just know that to be fact. Um, and it, I wish that I wish that I had gotten okay with myself sooner. I would have yeah. saved myself so much heartache. So really just like, it's okay. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to hear voices. It's okay to feel nutty. Like all those things are okay. Just talk about it. Yeah. I think a lot of us, almost everybody could, could used to hear that, you know, like it, yeah. a lot of times we don't have self-confidence or think that we're 
especially strange or something, but we're all, you know, relatively normal, just have our own little quirks, but it can be hard to accept that as, as something that's okay. Of course. Yeah. Um, I'm sure if you said you've listened to one of the other podcasts, you might've heard that you get a get out of fail free card where you are able to use this card to essentially go to a mental place where you have a specific hobby or career or a life passion that you might've wanted to follow, but thought that you, um, might fail too easily. Is there something you might use that card for to pursue that uh, you struggled with in the past? Uh, or avoided. Or avoided. Um, I mean, you did. Well, can you tell me what you're doing for performances too? You said you did. Uh, you worked in performing arts. Some, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a, I was a singer and dancer. Yeah, like I was like I did it. I mean, like I because that sounds tri- like a lot of uh, judgment, a lot of put yourself out there <laughs> to a lot of failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it is, it is, and it's. Uh, what's interesting now is that that's coming back into play because as, or or that training is helping me out uh, mm-hmm. because as I sort of move into the corporate world, I'm pitching myself to a lot more media, a lot more podcasts. Dude, I get told no all the time. And so I'm <laughs> just, I'm, I'm just remembering what it's like in New York city. I mean, you would go to like sometimes four auditions a day and, and sometimes it's called typing. You walk in the room and you line up and they walk down and they're all go, yes, no, yes, no. They, they don't know don't say anything at all. They're just looking at you. They're literally, it's literally like based upon type. And, and so you have to get really good about being like, okay, whatever. I'm just going to forget about it. I'm just going to forget about it. I'm going to forget about it. Um, now you, you know, better sometimes is better than not, you know, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, that, that actually has paid, has, uh, has helped in life because now when I send emails to TV producers, I'm like, well, yeah. whatever I sent it. And like when I messaged Ben, I was like, well, if Ben doesn't like me, screw Ben. Like, I don't really care. I don't need to be on yeah. Ben's podcast. Um, so yeah. So you've done the thing. acting and singing. Um, what would you use this card for then? If you, is there something that you haven't, um, tried that you'd like to? Yeah. So when I was, when I did my first community theater gig, when I was in high school, I, my bio, I went back and read it, said he either wants to be an actor or a lawyer. And I guess I didn't realize at the time how close they were. If you're talking about like mm-hmm. trial lawyer, yeah. um, but dude, I think I'd be a dang good trial lawyer. Cause I think I could like get in there and like get the jury to feel a certain way. Um, would you be prosecution again, or defense or what would you? Well, I mean, you know, I think we all want to make the money, but um, in my, <laughs> my, my, myself today, I would want to help the people that, you know, give voice to the people that don't have a voice. Um, yeah. That sounds like a cool thing. And so you decided uh, to pursue acting specifically. Why, why'd you decide not to go down the law route? Uh, Just because I've been singing since I was like, I think I popped out probably singing, not crying. I mean, I've just been, um, and I was really good at it. And, and people told me I couldn't do it. People said, this little kid from Alabama can't do this. And I was (laughs) like, "Mm -hmm. yeah, watch me. Yeah. Plus besides when you're on the stand or like, you know, giving your whatever, um, opening arguments or whatever the things are. I'm sure a lot of lawyering is really just difficult, tedious work. It's not the, <laughs> yeah. the flashy stuff you see in the, in the TV shows. Yeah. It's not, maybe it's not Chicago I and mean, it's not Billy, you know, whatever that character is in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say is your next big fail? What's the next thing you're, that you're trying to do? I know you start, had you started a business in the pandemic. Is there anything specifically in that business that you're now venturing into new types of projects or anything? Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to transition into the corporate world. Um, I mean, I, I have the, I understand the college world. I got it. Um, but I, I would like to be able to help more people than just college students. Cause I think this message matters and I think I'm really good at it. Uh, but it's, um, it's pretty challenging trying to break into this corporate thing and have people pay attention to you and, you know, want to help people. So, but I mean, so would it be more as a, horror, so. 
Yeah, would it be more as a consultant who comes in to help with their current yeah. employees versus yeah. someone who works within a company doing it for that company? Yeah, I don't think I want to do the latter um, just mm -hmm. yet. I kind of I kind of like being my own boss, even though at some point, yeah. sometimes when there's no paycheck coming again, I'm like, hmm, how is this house getting paid for? Uh, but yeah, from consulting or like one-off kind of situations, yeah. Cool. Uh, I was curious about the acting thing. Did you have any moments where you totally completely failed an audition or did not like, I feel like I wouldn't remember things off frequently. Oh, no, I, remember, <laughs> I remember. Yes. Um, so I actually got called in for Santa Claus for the radio city show. And I found out later they were only calling in two people. So oh, like, wow. I, like I really had to mess this up, but child, when I tell you, I dressed about <laughs> as gay as you could be that day. I tied like a little sash around my waist with like a little bow in the front. And I had on these, I thought I wear these like green pants. I mean, I just like, you know, cause I'd been so repressed yeah. in Alabama that I was just like out there. I don't think that really screamed Santa Claus to them. So yeah. I completely bombed that audition <laughs> and I was not on the radio city stage. A few months I'm sure later. the other person who, who was involved was excited to see how you, how you handled it. You made sure it. he was like, yep. And he did, he got it. So, you know, there's that. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering, so have you totally gotten away from the acting? I know you certainly would incorporate any of the things you learned in your, you know, therapy and everything, but have you, are you still dipping your toe in the, in the acting realm or have you left that life? Uh, yeah. I mean, I would love to do some theater here and there, but like we have a two-year-old. So, mm -hmm. you know, my, my life now is, and, and, and I mean, you know, my husband and I are both around the same age or, you know, I'm a little bit older. He likes to remind me of that. <laughs> uh, and, you know, so we've, we've done all the things like we've, we've seen the world and we've traveled and we've been to the clubs. And so now we are, you know, we've settled into being parents and, you know, maybe again someday. And I mean, I sing a lot. I sing on Instagram a lot and mm -hmm. people like it. So yeah, I do that. Well, that's cool. You'll have to tell, uh, <laughs> tell them where to find you at the end when you <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. plug yourself is um, what you mentioned. You traveled a lot. I certainly love traveling. Is there a specific place mm -hmm. that you really enjoyed or, or would recommend people check out once this is all back yeah, to normal? Once it's all. Yeah. Um, yes. So my top three are um, South Africa is. Oh, wow. That'd be cool. Un Unreal. It's unreal. I mean, it's unreal. Um, the Norwegian fjords are the most beautiful thing you're ever going to see in your life. I didn't even know what a fjord was. And they were like, come see the fjords. I was like, what's a fjord? And I walked upstairs and I was like, oh my gosh. What uh, is a fjord? And, if I'm not, I, I can imagine what I would think it is, but I don't even know if I yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, so the, the ships sail through them. And so they're like these huge like mountains on the side and the, the water has carved out. So there's waterfalls coming down and it's just like, you're really, I mean, you're sailing through like a, a, a pathway, I guess. That's of, cool. Of rocks. Uh, but it, they're breathtaking. And most cruise ships have like a fjords and fairy tales cruise or something. Oh, nice. And you literally like spend time in the fjords. Uh, and then I was very blessed to get to go to Antarctica. Um, and I was there for actually, we were there for two months coming into and out of Antarctica. Now, listen, it smells like a big chicken house to be prepared <laughs> because think about it. The penguins got to go somewhere and they just go everywhere. But, um, it was very cool to be up on the top of the ship working out when we saw our first iceberg. Um, yeah. that was, that's a moment that like, you'll, you'll never forget. So, yeah. Was that totally a cruise or did you go on like some Antarctic tundra or whatever? 
I'm not sure yeah. if there's what there is to honor. <laughs> there's not much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So as uh, I was, I was, I was working, I was performing. And okay. so the, the, so oh, yeah, all this was on a performing. cruise, performing on a cruise, cruise yeah, yeah, like yeah, a yeah, player yeah. or a musical or yeah, something. Musical. Yeah. 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 Which one? Um, Do you remember? Oh, is it, yeah, it was, wait, the cruise ship or the musical? Musical. Yeah. I wasn't that high, buddy. Um, <laughs> yeah, yes. No, I mean, it's, maybe it's, after doing so many i have no idea <laughs> no it's uh it's musical reviews so it's you know every okay. if, if you don't like the song wait 20 seconds because it's gotcha. going to change it's one like of those medley things. kind of thing yeah yeah um and and so the the performers are sometimes the only americans on the cruise ship um maybe cruise staff but you know we're the only people that from americans that you know there's american so we got to be a part of the expedition crew in antarctica mm -hmm. and so you would you would literally stand on like icebergs and you know you would kind of rotate in and out people getting out i mean it's so cold it's so yeah. cold uh, but it's still worth it i can only imagine uh before i get to the part where you can certainly plug anything you're doing these days is there anything else in the realm of failure or discussing um, any of the struggles you've had that you'd like to mention before we wrap up and let, let people know what you're doing these days? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, if you don't, if you, if you, if you're not experienced with anyone that's in recovery, um, or is, you know, tried to get sober, man, I failed so many times, but it really was the failure that allowed me to learn and to win. I mean, I, I started my day count over five big jillion dimes, you know, like, I am Archie. I got one day again. They're like, didn't you have one day yesterday? Shut up. You're like, yeah, I'm back yeah. again. But like I, in that process, I learned to just constantly pick myself up. And so, and start over again, because you have to, the, the option, the other alternative is death. So I, I think that today, and even, even in, even in March, when, we, when there, there was no business, I mean, no one was hiring a mental health speaker in March. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I laid in bed for a day and I felt sorry for myself. And then I got my ass out of bed. And like, yeah. what are we going to do? And, and so I think we really can all learn a lot from people who have, you know, whether they're successful quotation marks in sobriety or not, the only way you're going to do something like that is just to keep going. So it's like a constant bicycle ride of like busting your ass, like <laughs> bust your ass, get up and do it again, bust your ass, get up and do it again. Um, Cause what's the option? Yeah. Do you think uh, it sounds like you've been to some of the anonymous programs? And I think, as if I remember correctly, the twelfth step is to help others. Help others. Do you think yeah. that's part of what brought you yeah. towards this, or at least helped made it easier? Since it's yeah. part of them. Yeah, I mean, well, and I've also learned that the best thing I can do for myself is help somebody else. That's why during those March, April, May, dude, I did so many free programs mm -hmm. because number one, I needed something to do for my own brain, but yeah. I'm. It, 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 it helped to help other people were hurting and just lost. And they're like, what are all these feelings we're feeling? And I'm like, great, come to this program. And so I just like gave away free programs. Like you get a program and you get a program. Hmm. Um, and, you, you know, I knew going into it that that likely wasn't going to come back around to paying gigs. And most of them haven't, but that wasn't the point. The point was to like, you know, there's a, there's a saying like hope, um, help, help one person every day. And that's kind of the mantra now is like, who can I help today? just to help them not not to get anything for myself yeah absolutely and you will certainly get better at helping people by doing that so it helps yeah. you know improve your abilities even if you uh, just give it away for free to certain people i know when i started my business i gave it away for free for probably too long but you know <laughs> i still enjoy doing that because it's it's nice yeah. if you help people out it'll come back in ways you don't kind of yeah. expect yeah well that's cool i appreciate it archie and uh do you want to let some of the uh, listeners know where to find you these days. 
Sure. So the two easiest places, my website is archiecares.com. You kind of can't mess that up, just archiecares.com. And then you can find me on Instagram at the Archstar. Um, and I do a lot of karaoke uh, mm-hmm. in my Instagram stories where I just like be jamming it out at the top of my lungs. So if you want to see the cutest kid in the world, mm-hmm. if you want to hear mental health advice or tips and hear me sing, come on to Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. I'll make sure to put that into the show notes so people can find you easily. And thank you very much for coming on. And I appreciate you sharing some of your stories and time. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.